You're listening to audio from Memphis Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit memphiscc.info. Hey, have you witnessed his goodness this week and his faithfulness? I've witnessed life change this week, and, and I hope that you have been watching where he's at work and you've been joining him there. I know last weekend we celebrated life change when we saw Bethany Sissel come and place her trust in Jesus Christ as her Savior. And I know that uh, Logan Mayfield came last night. We had another student that came to surrender their life to Jesus Christ. And this morning, maybe today's the day for you. I hope that you'll respond this Derby weekend, right? And be a winner right here with Jesus Christ in your life. Well, grab your Bible and turn with me to the book of Psalms chapter one. Now I'm going to go ahead and apologize for my voice. I blew it out last night. I've got it back for a few minutes. I'm drinking heavy this morning, got a little Sprite up here. I never drink carbonated drinks, but I'm drinking them today. See if we can burn some of that out. Ruthie Wilder and I declared the first three rows as dance and sing and raise your hand section. So next week, if you want to move up, you can move up here with us. We all have, or we all will experience change, life change. If you live long enough, everything seems to change around us. In fact, change is occurring at a faster pace than ever. I remember those that were my age back when I was in my 20s, and they they would talk about how as we get older, that time seems to go faster and faster, quicker and quicker, and now I'm living in the middle of it. Me and some of you out there, they're getting a little gray in our beards, right? It's moving so fast. It's moving at a faster pace than ever. And as things change quicker and faster, with this change, every decision that we make becomes more more complicated. You, You see it, we are connected now as a world. What once would take months to reach the United States through communication is almost spoken before it happens today on social media. I mean, what the government does in Asia affects the government here. And what we do here affects nations around the world. Just think about the choices that you're faced with when you go to the grocery store. If you think things haven't changed and it's tougher and tougher to make decisions. I went for milk the other day and my wife said, I can't drink whole milk anymore. She said, I should have quit when I was in elementary school. But there is skim milk, there's 1% milk, there's nut milk, there's whole milk, there's uh, uh, breast milk, right? There is, uh, yeah, somebody laughed last night. You all don't know anything about that. You've been drinking that powdered milk, almond milk, nut milk, and there's milk that isn't even milk at all. What about that muscle milk, guys, right? Some of you don't know what that is, obviously. But the point is, is that we are faced with so many decisions because change is moving so rapidly. And not only is our decision making affected by that, but every value, every value is being challenged. We live in a time where society believes that everything or anything is plausible, that nothing's certain, even within the church today. 
we're having difficulty with this idea that, that we can choose our own sexuality. Even within the church today, we're struggling with the value of the gathering. Now, don't misunderstand the empty seats this morning. We had this place packed out last night for the Kentucky Derby out front. Reagan Jackie won the race last night. She'll be eating Dairy Queen for three years. <laughs> Every value is being challenged. And when things change rapidly and decisions become more complicated and the values that once held our families together, that we once held tightly, when those values are challenged, when everything around us is changing so rapidly, where do we turn? Where do we go? Who do we trust? Well, we turn to the one who says that he is unchanging. And that's God of the Bible. We anchor our lives to the unchanging word of God. You see, while we change and the world around us may change, God remains the same. His word, his thoughts, his motives, his reason for doing things, his promises, the way that he reacts to situations, his grace, and thank goodness that his love for us never changes. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, he says, I, the Lord, do not change. And now we often relate this idea of not changing to, to older people, right? They're just stuck in their ways. But God is anything but stuck in his ways. Because God is omniscient, because God is all-knowing, he is contemporary. Even though what he said 4,000 years ago may seem old-fashioned, it's good for today. He's contemporary. God is all-knowing, which makes him in command and very much aware of what's going on. His word, the Bible says, is living and active. And that means three things for us that we need to grab hold of today. And that is God and his word are consistent in a world that's inconsistent. He's consistent in his love for us. While we are very inconsistent in our love for others, his love remain strong. Just as much on our good days, he loves us as he does on our bad days. He loves us when we're making good choices, and he loves it when we don't make so good choices. His love isn't based on our performance, thank goodness. His love for us, the unchanging part of his being, is all based on his character, not the whim of the moment. He says in Jeremiah 31, 3, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Your love and mine, well, it changes, doesn't it? One moment we can, we can be just so in love and wanting to hold hands, and in the next minute it's like a light switch. We're frustrated, and we think we can't make it another day with this person that we have stuck ourselves with. Romans 8.38 says, nothing, living or dead, angelic or demonic, nothing today, nothing tomorrow, nothing that you can think of or even those things that you un have not thought about, nothing can get between us and God's 
love. His love is consistent. God's love is unchanging. God's unchanging nature in the middle of a changing world. Living, it should calm our fears. It should ease our anxiety. Spurgeon said, God is a certain friend in uncertain circumstances. How many of you have a friend like that? I mean, really have a friend like that. A a person that you can call and no matter what's going on around them, no matter what the world says. I, I remember back when the pandemic was at its height and I had fellow preachers calling me and saying, are you guys meeting? And I said, of course we're meeting. Well, well what about people's health? Well, they've, they've taken care of their health themselves for, for years now. Since when am I responsible for their health? You see, God's unchanging nature in the middle of a changing world, it should calm our fears. It should ease our anxieties. And when you have a friend like that, you can call them and they'll tell you the truth. You can call them and, and no matter, they'll tell you the difficult truth. Yes, you stay together. Yes, you press forward. You see, God is that person and Jesus is that friend. You remember the old song that says, there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. God's word's consistent. It's unchanging. And God's word is a solid foundation on which we're to build our lives. Think about it. Look, look outside there. The foundation's been going in for the last week. It is taking forever. Why is it taking forever? Because that is one solid foundation. It's got to hold up steel that's 28 feet tall and then goes up to 31 feet. And so the foundation, it has rebar in it this way. It has rebar in it this way. It's got bent rebar. It's all twisted together. There's layers of concrete and rebar and concrete and rebar. Jesus said, if we want to build a house, we should build it on a solid rock, not on shifting sand. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And my friends, you can see a difference in the lives of individuals who have built their life on the unchanging word of God. You can see it. And when can you see it the most? You can see it when the storms of life come. Yes, we hurt. Yes, at times we are surprised. Even though Jesus said, in this world you're going to have trouble, right? Even though we know it's coming. The Christian recognizes that what he or she has built his life on, the solid word of God, will hold us up. It will stay. I think about the folks who have those beautiful homes with the most beautiful view, but they put those homes right on the edge. And I think about Christians and people in the world who build such a a beautiful thing for themselves and they put it right on the edge, but when the storms of life come, I've seen those storms undercut those beautiful houses and and destroy them, never to be rebuilt again. What about you? 
Jesus said the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord, it will stand forever. It's timeless. It's enduring. It is that solid foundation. Well, in Psalm chapter one, and here we go with this scratchy voice. In Psalm chapter one, this is how God chooses to begin this book of truth and life experience. If you haven't turned there already, I want you to hold it in your hands, please. Please, sitting like this tells me you're not at all interested, right? And, and that's a good stance to have, right? Because when you fall asleep, you're going to just fall out on your face. At least put your arms down and hold on. So if you doze off. <clears throat> but this is where God's going in Psalm chapter 1. He contrasts the life of a person who builds on the solid rock and lives in the blessing of that security and the person who does not. The person who builds their life on the shifting sand of the world. So let's read together. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who does not. I want you to underline that because I want it to be clear. It starts out as blessed is the man, but it's got a negative that follows it. That does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. That does not stand in the way of sinners. That does not sit in the seat of mockers. The psalmist here is describing three foundations, three foundations that are sand to build on. The first is the world's wisdom. Many building their lives on the world's wisdom. This is how marriage should look. This is how sexuality should look. This is what you do when you face this hardship. This is how you hide out and let someone else take care of the difficult moment. We reject God, my friends, when we live life based on the world's wisdom. When we choose the counsel. Think about who you're listening to. When you choose the counsel of those who don't take God seriously, and worse than that, they disregard the truth of his word. The counsel of the wicked denies the sufficiency of scripture for the deepest needs of the soul. There's always a pill. There's always a self-help book. 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us just the opposite. It tells us that God's word is sufficient. It's sufficient for our every need. It's sufficient for encouraging. It's, encur it's sufficient for correcting. Even getting after you a few times. It provides answers to our guilt. This is why, this is why and this is how you can get out from underneath that guilt. This is what anger looks like and this is what sinful anger looks like. It provides a solution for bitterness, relational conflicts. Haven't you found that to be the case already in this series? I know we're in the Old Testament, but listen, the Old Testament is just as inspired as the New Testament is. The Old Testament isn't just a book of history and old stories. It is as alive as the Gospels are today. Second, the psalmist says, we reject God and his word when we build our lives by blending in with the world. He says it this way, when you stand in the way of sinners, 
The way of sinners is referring to a way of life. You and I, we're to be the light of the world. The way of sinners, well, that's every other way out there that's imaginable. The way of sinners, we've all sinned. But when we trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, our relationship with the world, they go this way and we go the other. Do not be deceived, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians. Bad company corrupts good morals. Now listen, when we continue to stand in the way of sinners, let, let me tell you what that looks like in your life and mine, right? When I live my life around my wife, Sarah, who uses profanity constantly in our home, <laughs> The more I listened to her, last night we were on our way home from church and this young buck came up and he wanted to pass me on the right. Well, I got over for him, you know, 75 wasn't fast enough. Well, he got right up on my bumper blowing the horn and then he gets right up beside me trying to push me over and I just start yelling at him. Sarah gets so upset, stop it, you know. I'm like, I'm just telling him to move it on up the road. But just think about how our language changes by the people that we're around. I'll tell you, I can't watch Fox News anymore. Not, not because of who they are or who they support or whatever. But I can't watch it because it gets inside of me and I find myself angry all the time. I find myself upset and, and judgmental all the time. Think about your thought life as you hang around with people all day who don't, who don't love their wife the way Christ loves the church. Bosses who, who don't protect the family, but they want you there working and no matter what the cost because they're not believers. Think about how that impacts you. A friend of mine who's been heavily involved in AA, alcohol anomics, Alcoholics Anonymous or NA Narcotics Anonymous. Two great recovery groups. And many of you in this room can testify to family members and friends who have become sober by going to AA and NA. But the problem is, NA and NA are good for getting you sober, but that's where the cleaning up stops. You go to those meetings and you will hear the coarsest language. You go to those meetings and you will see people who are shacked up together, who are looking for the next person to come to the meeting that they can take home and go to bed with. My friend put it best. He said, when you become sober at AA, you're still a horse thief. The difference is you're a sober horse thief. But the word of God, when you go to AA and you get sober, and then you recognize that that is by God's grace and by his power in your life. When you dig into God's word, it changes everything. Not only are you sober, but you're no longer a horse thief. Finally, we reject God and his word when we think we know more than he does. And that's the mocker. That's the scoffer. 
Mockers reject God's word because they're too intelligent to believe Holy Scripture. And some of us, and I'll tell you, I was one of them, was so concerned that if I went and spoke to someone who was more intelligent than me, and believe me, that's a whole lot of people, <laughs> that they would have some argument for me that I would not be able to respond to. And some people spend their lives so entrenched in God's word so that they can argue and they can debate that. They're so entrenched that they, that they don't tell anyone about Jesus other than when they're arguing with them. They, they do nothing to show love to their neighbor. They can't even keep their house right. We've all met those people. The counsel of the wicked denies God's moral absolutes and shifts the focus to the goodness of the person and minimizes the need for the cross of Jesus Christ. And you know those folks that I've always looked at that are non-believers who think that they're more intelligent. Listen, those of you who are sending your kids to a state school, to a secular school, even if you sent them to Harvard, right? Some of the most esteemed universities. I want you to realize that God is no longer the foundation of those universities. No matter what their history is, they have abandoned God. And that is where the scoffers, that's where the mockers gather. That's where professors sit around with people like-minded to them and they chip away at Christianity and they say they're the smart ones. But you know what they are? They are only gathered together to protect their gut because they follow their stomach. They follow what they want. And the reason they don't believe in God, the reason why your teenage children that you've grown to know God, the reason why they rebel and they say, I no longer follow God is just that. It's a way that they can rebel because they no longer want to be accountable or they don't want to be accountable at all to God. That's who a mocker is. That's who a scoffer is. And that's what the seat looks like, my friend. I hope you're not sitting there. Notice the progression. We walk in the way of sinners. As we walk in the way of sinners, we hear them. We start accepting some of the values that are different than ours. And all of a sudden, we, we find ourselves standing with them. Uh, we start voting democratic. You say, oh, there, there you go, David. Listen, back in the 60s and 70s is when the political parties decided to take on Christian values. And when your party votes on Christian values, you've got to realize politics becomes important to you. And when you are walking in and then you find yourself standing in, the next thing that you find is yourself seated in. That's the company that you surround yourself with. In verse 4, the psalmist speaks of those who reject God and his word, who build their lives on the shifting sand. He says they are like chaff that the wind blows away. 
chaff, the waste product that's good for nothing. It's the house that Jesus says is built on the sinking sand. When the storms of life come, the house will come crashing down. It says there that the mockers and the scoffers, <clears throat> those who stand in the way of sinners, those who walk in the way of sinful man, they won't make it through the judgment and they certainly won't stand in the assembly of the righteous in heaven. Instead, they'll perish in the eternal lake of fire reserved for Satan and for those who reject God's teaching. In contrast, though, the psalmist writes in verse 2, and I want you to notice the double positive. We had a positive and negative, now we got double positive. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And let me pause here. The law of the Lord. The law of the Lord is, remember, consistent. It's unchanging. It's as alive and active today as it was 4,000, 6,000 years ago. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the unchanging law of the Lord. And on his unchanging law, he meditates day and night. It says he's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Now the psalmist here is describing a responsibility, a responsibility, and then the outcome of fulfilling that responsibility. To the extent that we fulfill that responsibility, we can expect to see a result. And that is the person who delights in God's word. I mean, a person who really delights in it. That isn't just a, a walking vocabulary of Greek and Hebrew, but a person who builds their life. You look at their marriage and you see Jesus Christ. You look at their kids and you see Jesus Christ. You see his grace. You see his confidence. That person is teachable, moldable. That person arranges their priorities in alignment with his word. Are you that person? Are you that person who delights in God's word? Do you make time to spend in the world, word? You know, the one thing, well, there's probably a couple things that I don't like about the F-260 reading plan is that it's not complete. It's a good place to start. And we like that plan because for the younger people, they can do that on their smartphone, right? And it checks off a day. And, and I'll tell you, it helps me. It helps me be accountable. It's a place for us to comment. But let me tell you, the person who delights in God's word doesn't just stop with the day's reading. And I'm not being legalistic here. There's no amount of scripture you should read every day. There's no amount of time with God that you should spend today. In fact, someone asked me last week, when you're talking to God, how do you finish the conversation? And I say, I don't. It's a continuous conversation. And so it should be our time spent in his word. 
You should be listening to it in the car. You should desire to read it and then press the read the entire chapter button. Yes, some of you are on day 170. You're almost done with the reading plan. Are you done with the Bible? You done with the full counsel of God? If you are, you have greater recall of his promises and his word when faced with situations. If you are delighting yourself in God's word, you're going to see that your relationships are changing. You're going to see that your attitude and outlook are improving. And I've got to spend more time in God's word when it comes to this road rage. I got to look up camel rage and see how I can control that on the road. But our attitude and our outlook are improving. Peace is overcoming anxiety because we're building on the solid rock. So I ask you, are you teachable? Are you moldable? Are you arranging your life? building your life on this word. As we saw in verse one, whatever shapes our thinking will shape our life. Whatever shapes our thinking, whatever gets inside here, it ends up shaping our life from every angle. The psalmist describes the person who delights in God's word as a tree planted by streams of water. I love these word pictures and I planted a few trees. I know that if I plant one of those weeping willows, what do we know? A weeping willow loves damp ground. In fact, they will soak up that ground. And the psalmist says that the man who is blessed, the man who aligns his life with God's precepts, the one who builds his life on the solid foundation is planted next to the stream the river of life. God's word in our life is the practical comparison there. That stream of living water, it's God's word. It's God's spirit that lives inside of us. And we're to sink down our roots deep in that so that we can have that continuous supply and when the tree has that continuous supply, what do we know? We know that its leaves will stay lush. They won't wither. Man, I've seen some people, some trees dry up. I have seen them wither because they planted themselves someplace else other than beside the stream. Do you feel some withering up in your life? Are your relationships sounding alarms? Are your finances getting a little bit out of whack? You know you're in trouble when you look at your debts and you can't remember and you can't put your hands on what it is that you went in debt for. While planted there, We've seen the fruit that comes out of those seasons of being planted outside of the stream of God and his word. Children without a mom or dad present under the same roof, let alone the same bed. Health issues that are withering us up. 
overcome by anxiety and depression and fear. And the storms, <laughs> boy, you throw a storm into that mix and all of a sudden that tree, you find its roots broken off at the ground, laid over, detached and rotting. The psalmist concludes in verses three and four, whatever the person who is planted in God's word does, prospers. Why? For the Lord watches over them. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous. The old book, bless you, Second Chronicles said that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth looking for those trees that he can come alongside of you and strengthen you. The Lord watches over us. You know, long before we were born, Scripture tells us in the Old Testament, Scripture tells us that every day of our life was written in God's book before we started living out those days. And you know, that brings me great encouragement. In fact, now every child that's baptized, even adults now, when I write to you, I try to be the first one, you know, to send you an actual paper letter congratulating you. But I say, please, Please go to Psalm 139. Go to Psalm 139. And I want you to memorize it all. Because it reminds you. It reminds you that every one of your days are written in God's book. And so that means that when trouble comes, he knows it. And he knows it's just around the corner. And so what does he do when he's watching over you? He sends a warning flare. He sends that special person who comes alongside of you just days before the diagnosis, right? That's how God watches over us. Psalm 121 says that he doesn't sleep. He doesn't even doze off. <laughs> but he's always watching over. My friends, we live in an ever-changing world. And the decisions that we make are becoming more complicated. Every value is being challenged. But listen, we have the word of the Lord that never changes. And that means that his love for you never changes. And his purpose for you, no matter the storms of life, his purpose for your life is there for the having, just like we sang on that first song, he's never gonna let us go. He's gonna hold on to us. Regardless of the choices that you have made, regardless of the things that you have allowed into your life, it means that God hasn't given up on you because that's not his character. Nothing can separate you from his love. He's right there ready to take hold of you. He's right there ready to nourish you. He's right there ready to change those withering leaves and to fill them with life again. To see fruit come from your marriage, to see fruit come from your children, to see fruit in your finances, to see fruit in your service to others. And my friends, that's the kind of change we can all welcome. 
But this promise, this promise is reserved only for those who align their life with him, who plant themselves with him, who say, I believe Jesus is the Christ. You are a scoffer. I believe Jesus is the Christ. I believe he's the son of the living God. You who walk in the way of sinners, listen, I have accepted him as Savior, Lord of my life. His love for me never changes. His spirit lives inside of me. He empowers me to live through the circumstances. Who do you have? You've got your other professors who are all going to hell with you. I believe Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And I don't accept that crap. I accept him as Savior and Lord of my life. That's the kind of change that we need to experience and have in our life. If you haven't experienced that kind of change, then maybe today you need to come and you need to surrender your tree. You need to plant yourself near that stream some of you have planted yourself there, but you haven't sunk down any roots. <laughs> You're avoiding some things. You're afraid that things aren't going to go the way that you hope they would if you let go of certain things. My friends, come and let him have the whole thing. His promise is good because his word and his promises never change. Come and receive him as Savior and Lord of your life by being baptized. Come and plant yourself as an immersed believer in a church that will tell you the truth because we love you like Christ loves you. Come and pray about whatever your next step in your situation needs to be. We've got a next steps area in the back where one of the staff will always be every time we gather where you can go back there and you can talk about what your next step is. I'm going to always be at the cross from now on where you can come and, and you can talk about your next step or your surrender. Won't you do that today? Let's stand and let's pray. <clears throat> well, Father, I thank you for giving me a voice today. And I, I believe that despite my failures and despite my word fumbles or maybe even word choices sometimes, that Father, because I've surrendered my life to you and I've listened to you, not just on Saturday morning or this morning, but I've listened to you every day of the week. I've been in your word and I've listened to your word and I've lived in your word. I believe that these words, especially those words that come directly from you, I believe, Father, that you will take all of those things and that you will plant those inside these trees, that you'll water some of these trees, that you'll challenge some of these trees, that they, would, they wouldn't be uprooted. <laughs> oh, some need to be. Some need to be moving from the sand to the solid rock in, in their marriage or in their child rearing, in their finances, in their 
in their walk with you. So Father, help us. Thank you for a place to plant. May you find us faithful in a world that's changing. May the only change that happens in our life be that which you bring by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.